with that, church, please welcome our guest speaker tonight, Ms. Pastor Chuck Turner. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's a blessing to be here with you guys this evening. Um, man, I was a little, I, I had, this is the first time I've been here this year. So, uh, man, I was, it's funny. I was just telling my wife probably about three days ago, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I said, I should call pastor Jerry. I said, I haven't talked to him for a long time. I should just call, just see how he's doing. And, uh, for whatever reason I procrastinated. Come on. Anybody else do that stuff once in a while? <laughs> And, and, and the following day, he calls me and asks me to come down here. So I was like, man, I guess it was the Lord that I was thinking about him at that. Just I had just been talking about him just the day before. So praise the Lord. Once again, it is good to be here with you guys. Always love uh, coming down here. And I really, really love my Chatsworth Foursquare family. Bless the Lord. Amen. And uh, so it's always a privilege uh, to come and to spend some time with you guys. I uh, want to just make mention of a couple of things here real quick. Uh, one of them is that uh, I don't know how many of you know, but I've been, I started doing a, um, I started doing a weekly uh, video series on YouTube uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And so every Monday I have videos that come out. I post, they come out, they're on YouTube. Uh, they're on my YouTube channel, also on Facebook. But uh, uh, I've been doing them now. Uh, and as a matter of fact, next week is going to be episode 74. Episode 74, I mean 74 weeks that, <laughs> that I've been putting out video every week. And so, uh, but what I do want to do is I want to ask some of you if you would be so kind as to, you know, you get your smartphone, you go on YouTube, and you search out Destiny and Courage TV. Now, that's the word Destiny, and then it's the little symbol for Ann. You know that symbol is called an ampersand. How many knew that? Praise the Lord. Maybe one person might have done, oh, come on now. Got somebody in the back. She's like, oh, I knew that. You ain't said nothing. You know? But but it's it's called an ampersand. Destiny, the ampersand, the word courage, and then TV. And just subscribe to that, and you'll be able to get the notifications every week when my videos come out. You could take them. Better to have my YouTube channel because then you can share them with your friends and family uh, uh, and be able to, you know, let those messages be a blessing to somebody else's life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And then also, uh, just want to make mention that I did bring with me uh, as always, you, many of you know that I am a published author now, so I have written four books. And uh, so I did bring some of my books with me. If you want to be able to purchase some of those, you can see me afterwards. I'll be happy to uh, autograph it for you and all that good stuff. Uh, also have, uh, man, we even got, you know, I know we're tired of wearing masks, but, uh, you know, if you're going to wear one, you might as well be styling. Hallelujah. So we got Destiny Encourage Mask right here. To, some of those that we brought. And then also, I think we also have some, uh, some pens as well. So, uh, but anyway, for those of you that you'd like to support our ministry that way, we would greatly appreciate it. And uh, after the service, you can see me to be able to take care of that. And somebody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, appreciate you on the keyboard there, brother. Hallelujah. I was so glad that Brother Rob was here to play keyboard. Uh, you know, um, I play, but trust me, when I play keyboard, you ain't going to go tell nobody. Hey, you know, Pastor Chuck, man, you ever heard him play? That ain't going to be what you say. Oh, this one? Oh, okay. Check one, two. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Okay, here we go. 
get myself together here. Everybody all right? Amen. Well, I want to just share with you just for a few minutes, and I'm going to try to be timely, uh, and I will be. I promise you that I will be on time this evening. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I ain't trying to get in trouble with Pastor Jerry. Hallelujah. Pastor Jerry's probably at home watching, too. He's probably like, that brother better do what I... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Got to be obedient to the pastor. Uh, so let's go in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Take you to what is called the lost and found section of the Bible. Hallelujah. Yeah, they oftentimes call this the lost and found chapter uh, because it is here in the 15th chapter of Luke that the writer or uh, uh, he records Jesus, uh, the three parables, uh, the parable about the lost sheep, the parable about the lost coin, and the parable about the lost son. And so these are the place. this is the only place in the Gospels where these three uh, parables are, are told. And they're right here in the 15th chapter of Luke. So it's often called the lost and found chapter. You got the sheep that wandered off and, you know, shepherd goes out, get the sheep. Then you got the coin, you know, the woman lost the coin and she starts sweeping the house. You know, going all around trying to find it, man, trying to find that lost money. Y'all don't hear me, though? Lose some money, man. You tear the house up trying to find it. But yeah, it's, it, it actually has some different meaning than that, but I, I just thought for the sake of a little bit of humor. Uh, but then we also have what happens here. The third parable that's told is here about the lost son, or it's oftentimes called the prodigal son. And so we wanna ex I want to examine that parable tonight and just share with you a few thoughts uh, how God kind of spoke to me here recently involving this particular parable. Um, I have been, uh, and many of you know, I've shared with you at different times, that I have, uh, I put myself on a Bible reading schedule, and so I read the Bible from cover to cover every year. Uh, I started doing it in 2010, and since then, I have been consistently reading the whole Bible every year. And, and, you, and every year it seems like I'm reading something that I didn't read before, but I know I read it because I've been reading it, but that's how the Bible is. You can't know the whole Bible. I mean, no, it doesn't matter how many times you read it, you still can't know it. I think I read, I think it was a, a Spurgeon, I think, had said that, man, he had read the Bible like probably like about a couple hundred times. And he said he was still learning it at the end of his life. He was still learning the Bible. So, you know, you never can learn everything. That it's just, man, it's like it's living and active, and, it, and it's like you read it, and then one year you're reading, every time I come across something, and be like, man, it looks like I never read that before. And it jumps out of me and speaks to me in a way that it never spoke to me before in all these years. But uh, So that's been a blessing. But I also have, like, man, I have about 12 people who are also, uh, they follow me in reading it. And so every morning when I get ready to read, I text out my reading schedule to all of these, to like 12 different people. And they all follow me and read also, or at least I hope they do. I don't know if they read it, but they get it every day. Hallelujah. So I don't know what they're doing with it, but they sure enough getting it. <laughs> so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 15, and uh, we're going to start here at verse number 11. Is everybody there? Yes. Praise the Lord. The Bible says this. It says, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give to me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. 
Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And, as he, and he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. And therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you, and I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with the harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your son, your brother, was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you bless the reading of your word, Lord, you would just move in this place, God, that you would open hearts and lives, Lord God, and let us be receptive, Lord, to the message that you would speak to us tonight, God. I come against the works of the enemy and any demonic spirit that would try to hinder your word. We bind it in the name of Jesus, God. Loose the power of the Holy Ghost upon this assembly of believers, Lord, and even those who would be viewing online, Lord, let them be in touch and in tune with your spirit as well. We thank you and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Church that? Amen. amen and amen. Well, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes on the subject of perspective, and, uh, and I have a title for this message. I've titled it very simply, The Father's Eyes, The Father's Eyes. Uh, when, when you look at this particular parable, uh, what it, I, I suppose that what it was really talking about, Jesus was making a comparison uh, between Gentiles and Jews. And in particular, when you're talking about Jews, probably more specifically Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, uh, 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 those of that particular um, group. And so when he's talking about the prodigal son, the prodigal son represents the Gentiles. Now, the Jews saw themselves as being the promised people, right? The, the privileged ones, uh, the ones who already had uh, a place in the kingdom of God. But now here come these Gentiles. These ones have been out living crazy and doing all kinds of wild stuff. And now they're coming in and they're being privileged and having everything that the Jews already had. And so the Jews, they were kind of represented when it was the other son, the, the brother who said, hey, man, what's going on? How come you doing something for him? I've been here all this time. How come I didn't get no celebration? And so there was that. Uh, resentment that many of the Pharisees and, and many of the other Jews had against Gentiles being invited into the kingdom. So this is the reason why when Jesus spoke that parable that it kind of disturbed those guys a little bit. They knew that Jesus 
was referencing them. And so it bothered them. But when we look at this parable, let's just look at it in a practical sense. And I'm looking at it from the sense of, look at how the son in the beginning, when he's talking to his father, he sees himself in his rightful place. He is confident that he is a son and he's confident about what he has, what belongs to him, and what his father can give to him. When he goes to his father, he's not stuttering. He isn't afraid or intimidated. He comes to his father and says, Dad, give me my money. Can I get paid? I mean, I, got, I know you got my money. You got Just give me what's mine. Now, the father could have said no, because generally speaking, you don't get an inheritance till somebody's gone. Right? Inheritance is usually reserved. <laughs> That's usually set aside after the father's gone. But the father goes ahead and gives it to him anyway. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you right now. You know, what does he do? He takes off, man. A few days later, it says he was gone. He bounced. Just got my money, man. He's out there in some other far country partying. Yeah, he's up in the bar. <laughs> Drinks on me. Party in the house. Everybody loves him. But anybody who's ever been, uh, if you've ever lived your life uh, indiscreetly, you know that when your money is gone, your friends are gone too. Can I get a witness in this place? They love you while you got it. But as soon as it's gone, you ain't so popular no more. My man was broke and everybody left. He said, there he was now. Now he's, finding, he's, now he's in want because now there's a famine. He ain't got no more money. He done partied it all away. He done had drinks, women. All, he done did all that stuff. But now he ain't got nothing. Now he's working for some guy feeding pigs, and he says he's doing so bad that he's looking at the stuff he's giving to the pigs and thinking, man, I wouldn't mind eating that. His brother was struggling. <laughs> now, at this point, he decides, you know, I'm just going to go, I should just go back to my father. And now it seems like a pretty good idea. He thinks, you know, my father got some servants, the people that work for him, the slaves my father have. They got enough food and to spare. He said, I'm out here starving. I'm just going to go back and tell my father, look, man, I ain't, I'm not even worthy to be your son no more. You don't have to consider me a son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he was saying, basically, let me be like a slave. I'll come back on slave status. Just let me come back. Something happened in his perspective. Before he saw himself as a son, now he doesn't even see himself as worthy to be a son. He's saying, Dad, I know you don't love me no more. I know you don't think of me the same way you used to. That's why even if you just let me be a slave, I'll be a slave if you just let me come home. But what he didn't know is that the father's eyes saw him differently. In the father's eyes, nothing had changed. He was still a son. Even though he had messed up, he was still a son. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But I know that many times in our lives when we make mistakes, we sometimes feel like God has changed his mind about us. We start feeling like we don't have the same right that we had before. 
that maybe we can't come to God like we came to him before. Maybe we shouldn't ask him for forgiveness because it's the same thing. I ask God for the same forgiveness a whole bunch of times. He probably tired of me. He ain't going to forgive me for this. I'm not even going to ask him for this because if I say it, I know God's going to get mad because I've been asking for the same thing and then I keep messing up. I did the same thing again even though I asked him to forgive me for it and I told him I wasn't going to do it again, but I did it again and I... And we, we can't help but see through our own eyes. And we think that God sees the way we see. And so our perspective is changed about what God thinks about us, but God doesn't see like we see. He doesn't see the way, as a matter of fact, it says that he has this unconditional agape love. He has this thing that it doesn't even matter how much you mess up, nothing changes that. That he still loves you even though you messed up, he still loves you. He still feels the same way. Some of you as parents, you got kids, wayward children, they do all kinds of nonsense, but you still love them. <laughs> when you see him, that's my son, that's my daughter. Yeah, she crazy, she ain't got no sense. Yeah, that boy done lost his mind, but he's still my son. I might have to go down to the courthouse for him a few times, but he's still my son. When it comes to like having a long-lasting relationship with somebody, it helps if both parties have an understanding of each other's perspectives. You know, I, I've been with my wife now. We've been together for 44 years. Last, last Friday was our 34th wedding anniversary. So we've been together for 44 years, been married for 34. But we celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary last Friday. After all of these years, I pretty much know how she sees things. I don't always like how she th sees things, but I know how she sees things. <laughs> that don't mean I like all of it, but at least I know. And so it helps me to get along better with her because I know how she will react to certain things because I've learned her perspective on life. And conversely, she understands mine. And so she knows certain things might rub me the wrong way, might get on my nerves. I don't want to do certain things. She already knows that because she knows my perspective. See, when you know somebody's perspective, what it does is it helps you have a better experience in terms of having realistic expectations. Something happened with the prodigal son, and now he doesn't know his father's perspective. He doesn't see the way his father sees him because of that. His expectations are all messed up. He thinks that he has to accept a slave's position in order to still be a part of his father's life. He assumed that his father's love would change because of his failures. And I think that many Christians today share that same opinion about God. That when they fail, it convinces them. The enemy convinces them that, that God's love for them has changed. And then they walk away from their calling. Many people walk away from their calling. Their failures, they be, boy, you know, but God, God don't want me no more. Uh, God had called me, but I messed it up. Man, I had a chance, but no, after I did this, man, I, I, I can't. And then they find themselves abandoning their hope, abandoning their calling because they don't see themselves through the father's eyes. I'm trying to help somebody. He couldn't see himself through the father's eyes. I want to talk about three things that we need to remember in order to see ourselves through the father's eyes. Can, can, I, can I do that real quickly here? Because that's how you got you to see yourself through the father's eyes. It doesn't matter what the devil wants you to see yourself through your own eyes. 
he wants this. He wants you to see yourself through uh, the eyes of other people's opinions, uh, who who tell you you've done this and you've done that, and man, you know you ain't gonna be right, and God's not. Gonna... But that's not that's not how God works. Three things I'll tell you this. First of all, the Father's eyes see providently. The Father's eyes see patiently, and the Father's eyes see permanently. Woo, come on, somebody. You know I like to rhyme. Providently, patiently, and permanently. The reason I say that his eyes see providently, because even in the midst of all of this young man's struggles, his father was still a provider. He was still determined to provide for his son. I don't know if you have, man, you know, some of you, maybe your parents, and you've had to have maybe difficult times sometimes with your children. You know, kids get that teenage, man, once they get around them teens, they get difficult. They just do. They've reached that age where they already know everything. It's no sense trying to tell them anything because they already know. You can't finish your sentence before they tell you, Mom, I know. Dad. I already know. It's not like it was back when you were young. You're old. This is a new thing. And you're wrong, and I'm right. You know what they say, man. You know, anytime, if you don't know something, just ask a teenager, because they already know. <laughs> but when he got there, his father still had changed. You know, even with them, you still don't stop providing for your children. You don't see them any different. You still see them through eyes of love. See, when the father returned, he got a ring, a robe, sandals, and a fatted calf. I mean, he could have been getting chastised when he got home. His father could have been pinned him to the wall and saying, boy, I told you. That's why I shouldn't have gave you that doggone money. I knew your no good behind was going to go out there. And... But he said, bring a ring, get a robe, uh, uh, put some sandals on his feet. Let's get killed with an emphatic cast. Let's have a party right now. Let's invite everybody. Let's celebrate. My son was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. Amen. See, he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. That's what the Bible tells us. He's a provider. He sees and he provides. Even in the midst of your needs, even in the midst of your mess-ups, God is still seeing what your need is, and he's still willing to provide to make you have what you need. When the children of Israel wandered through the desert. He provided them with water, with manna, with quail. He gave them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He provided everything they would need to get through the situation they were going through. Uh, he even made sure, the Bible says, that they wandered for 40 years and their shoes didn't even wear out. I love what it says, his eye is on the sparrow. Like the old song, you know, his, his eye is on the sparrow, the song says. So I know that he watches me. If he cares about a sparrow, I know he cares about me. Sparrows are so common, you kind of don't even really, uh, uh, they, they don't really kind of move the needle in terms of seeing things. Uh, I remember one time me and my daughter, we were at the zoo and we were over in the bird section and they had sparrows. And we were like, I don't see no doggone sparrow at the zoo. <laughs> come on now. I mean, I see sparrows all the time. I ain't come to the zoo to see no sparrow. <laughs> It's like coming to the zoo to see a raven. I see them things all the time. Crows, raven, they're all over the place. I don't want to see them at the zoo. Show me something I hardly ever see. Right? 
But the Bible says that God is even concerned about a sparrow, even though we're not. <laughs> but the father also, his eyes, the father's eyes not only see providently, the father's eyes see patiently. The Bible says that when he was still a great way off, that's when the father saw him. So that suggests that the father was watching and waiting. He wasn't in the house. Uh, nobody had to come and say, hey, hey, uh, uh, I, think, I think your boy's coming. I see somebody coming down. I'm pretty sure that's your son. You might want to go out there and take a look. The Bible says the father saw him way out in the distance. As soon as he seen this figure, the father was watching and waiting, and the father said, that's my boy. I see my boy coming. I knew he was going to come back. I've been praying. I knew he was going to come back. I knew it was just a matter of time. Everybody told me to give up, but I ain't giving up because that's my son. I was waiting on him. I knew he would make it here pretty soon. That's why I've been watching every day. I spent hours looking and waiting. That's all right. I don't mind because I have time. See, he was patient to wait on his son. Father's patience is born out of wisdom. And wisdom is born out of experience and observation. You know, that's why sometimes, you know, when you're young, you can't really, sometimes you can't operate in wisdom because you haven't had enough experience. And there's no substitute for experience. It just ain't no substitute for it. Until you've gone through certain things or learned to do certain things, you just can't know how those things are going to turn out. The older, the, the older you get, the more experience you have, the more things you've seen, and they've happened time and time again. That's why some of us, man, you go talk to your grandparents, right? Some of you got grandparents, didn't even make it to junior high school, got nothing but wisdom. They know about everything in life, right? Because they've seen it, and they've experienced it. And they might not have read it in a book, but they can tell you how to do this and how to do that, what not to do, where not to go. Don't trust this. I'm telling you, it ain't going to work out for you. Sometimes we don't listen to them and you end up coming back and saying, you know what, Grandma, you was right. I don't know how you knew it, Grandma, but you was right. Grandma say, boy, I've seen that happen so many times. Are you crazy? Our father is eternal. He has always been. He's the one who was and is and is to come. Nothing was made without him making it. He made everything. He spoke the world into existence. He took the stars and hung them in the sky. He made the rivers, the ocean. Come on now. He made the mountains, the trees, the birds. He made all. And so God has this wisdom that is born into him because he. So his patience comes from the fact that he's wise. But it also comes from the fact that, see, you know, when, when you're talking about time and you talk about the father, see, the father created time. This is one of the reasons why he could be patient with us because the father is not in time. We're in time, but the father's not in time. The father created time. So, so if, if, if this is time, it's right there and the father's looking at it. We're all in it. But he's not in it. That's why a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord because the Lord is not experiencing time like we're experiencing time. So what you think is a long time waiting, God said, no, that was like the blink of an eye. You don't understand. I can wait for you. I can wait for you because I'm not going through no changes about time like you're going through. You think a week is long. You think a year is long. You think a hundred years is long. But God says, I blink my eye and that's gone. Y'all got to hear me today. That's why your father can always wait for you. He will always wait on you to make it back. The father's eye see patiently. 
since he's not subject to time, he's not discouraged by its length. And lastly, the father's eyes see permanently. See, the son's reception of that ring, that echoes the marriage bond. Oh, hear me now. That echoes the marriage bond. That's what a man gives to his wife or a wife gives to her husband. We wear rings to symbolize this uh, uh, eternal bond, this lifelong pact because the ring, it has no beginning and it has no end. So it represents permanence. That relationship is intended to be permanent. And so when he put the ring on his finger, it was symbolic of like a bond, of a, a lifelong bond. It's like the father was saying, you're still my son. You're my son for life. Uh, and nothing can change that. I know you think your failures have changed it, but nothing has changed it. My love for you hasn't changed. My heart for you hasn't changed. My passion for you hasn't changed. I'm trying to help somebody tonight because somebody, some of us that are in here, maybe you've had some struggles in your life and you begin, the devil's trying to tell you what God won't do for you anymore and how God maybe doesn't see you the same way. But I'm telling you, you got to learn to see your through the father's eyes because I'm telling you the Bible says in Romans 11 and 29 it says for the gifts and the calling are irrevocable in other words God says once I place a calling on your life once I give you a calling I never take it back I don't care what you go through I don't care what you do you always have that calling on your life God doesn't take back there's no giving sees permanently the father's eyes saw through Aaron's building of the golden calf. You know, Aaron built the golden calf, and God still called him. God could have took his calling away from him right there. If the father's eyes saw like human eyes, he would have told Aaron, boy, sit yourself down somewhere because you done lost all of your mind. Moses was on the mountaintop. I, I, I'm always intrigued by this. When I read in the book of Exodus, if you read this, you'll find that Moses was on the mountaintop getting instructions from God about Aaron's ministry. Now, God was telling Moses, okay, listen, your brother Aaron is going to be the father of the priesthood. It will be referred to as the Aaronic priesthood coming from Aaron. And you're going to make him a turban that with this and that, and you're going to make his breastplate like this. You're going to make his pants this way. You're going to make his shirt. You're going to do all these different things. He's telling him all of this stuff about Aaron's ministry. And while God is telling him this, Moses, is, Aaron is down at the foot of the mountain making a golden calf. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He could have stopped in mid-sentence on Moses and said, make his life. You know what your brother down there doing? Man, I changed my mind. Go down there and tell your brother I said, never mind. I got, I'll find somebody else. But the gifts and the calling, hear me, church. The gifts and the calling are irrevocable. He still used Aaron. Aaron still was the father of the priesthood. He saw through David's adultery. The father's eyes saw David even through his adultery. The father still said, you're a king, David. You're still going to be one of the greatest kings of Israel. People will always talk about you. When they talk about kings and great kings, they will always trace it back. Oh, nobody was greater than King David. What a great king he was. Even though he was an adulterer, he was a murderer. He had some mistakes in his life. He had some ugly stuff in his life. But the gifts and the calling are irrevocable. And once God calls you and once God places you, if you continue to stay submitted and you repent and you switch with... Hallelujah. 
father's eyes saw through Peter's denial. He saw through that. He knew Peter was going to go out and deny him. Jesus told him, listen, man, Satan's desired to have you. He wants to sift you like wheat. What, what the Bible doesn't say, but what it infers is that Jesus was telling Peter, uh, Satan asked for you, and uh, I said, yeah. <laughs> Got to tell you, brother, I said, yeah. Satan asked for Job, and God said, okay, just don't kill him. Man, are you serious? And even through that, Jesus told him, listen, when you convert it, strengthen your brethren. He was telling him, your calling is still there. You're still called to lead this people. You're still called to lead the church, Peter. You're going to deny me, but don't worry. When you convert it, when you come back, that's what the Bible says. The word converted talks about coming back. And I don't know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not a, a road scholar or anything like that, but I know that you can't come back unless you left. <laughs> ain't no such thing as coming back to somebody that ain't left. get ready to close right now the father's eyes see providently the father's eyes see patiently and the father's eyes see permanently you know we get adopted into the family of God we are his sons and daughters can I can I get a witness we're his sons and daughters the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren so in other words God was saying look he's my firstborn but I'm gonna have a bunch of other kids too I'm gonna have a big family all his brothers and sisters being adopted into the family and, and, when, and when Paul uses that term adoption in Romans, he, he uses adoption. And I know today we don't like that word too much because, you know, nobody wants to be adopted. But adoption is really pretty cool because the fact is, is that in order for somebody to adopt a child, they go and pick who they want. They choose somebody. My biological kids, you know, you, you just get what you get. <laughs> they come out. That's it. <laughs> this one's yours. <laughs> you can't trade them, switch them, nothing. This is the one you got. <laughs> but adoption involves selection and choice. But also when Paul used that term speaking to the Roman church, he was understanding that he, they understood that he was referencing a legal act that is called patria potestas. It's a Latin phrase that the Romans understood because it was a legal term that, it, that was applicable to adoption. In other words, what it basically said was patria potestas said that if you adopt a child, you are legally responsible to bring them home, to give them everything you give to your biological children. If you leave an inheritance, theirs has to be equal. You have to provide for them the same way you provide for your biological children. They cannot be treated any less or as any kind of way. Sec are y'all hearing me right now? They have to be. So, so if that's true, if that's the way God thinks when he adopts, then what is God saying? God's saying, look, Jesus is my son. The father is saying, Jesus is my son. That's my biological son. But I'm adopting y'all in and I'm going to let you have the same thing I give to him. 
So now God looks at us and says, you're not just heirs, but you're joint heirs along with Christ. So if you're a joint heir, that's like having a joint bank account. Some of y'all got joint bank accounts. And that means that that bank account is accessible by both people and you can have the same thing because you both have access to the... Now, I'm trying to help somebody tonight. you got to understand that the Father's eye sees you in such a way that you are an inheritor. You are an, you have an, you're an heir. You have an inheritance. There's a promise on your life, and God sees you not just to provide for you, but he's patient and waiting for you, and the relationship you have with God, it is permanent. He never gives up on you and me. That's something to get excited about, that God don't give up on me. He don't change his mind about me. The gifts and the calling are irrevocable. He says, I called you. I know you mess up sometimes. I know you don't act right all the time, but I still called you. I still chose you. I chose you to be a prophet. I chose you to preach the word. I've chosen you to function this way or to function that way. I've chosen you for this or for that. And whatever it is that God has chosen you for, your failures do not change what God has decided for your life. The only thing that would change it is if you allow the devil to somehow convince you that God doesn't see you the same way anymore. But the father's eyes, I wish I had a witness in this place. The father's eyes will always see you as his son and his daughter and he will do everything for his children amen, amen. amen. come on let's stand yeah, the father's eyes man they don't you know you you you're a son and daughter of God God's always gonna make a way for you I mean if you're a mother and one of your kids try to run out the house all raggedy Clothes dirty, hair all nappy, mismatched shoes, <laughs> dirt all on their clothes. They try to go out the house. Where are you going? I'm going over so-and-so's house. No, you ain't. Not looking like that. Right? Yeah. You ain't going to be going over there, man. Not my kids. You ain't going to look like that. Get on in here and fix yourself up because you represent me. I don't want them to see you like that and think, whoo, man, your mom, did your mama see you leave the house? <laughs> you must have snuck out looking like that. If a human parent would be that concerned about how their children, how much more God, how much more the one who sees and provides? It says, I want to make sure you have everything you need to do whatever it is that I've assigned you to do. And trust me, don't worry how long it takes because God's, I'm patient. I'm patient. That's why when you come back, God's like, he just like that father. He was watching and waiting, seeing him from a long way. And then, make it even worse, the son thought he was the one going to be so excited about seeing his father. But the Bible says the father ran to him. He, he, he couldn't even get there quick. The father took off running. Ran out there to meet his son. That's how God loves us. That's the love of God for each and every one of us. And that's a great place to give God praise. Hallelujah. The only thing, or the only reason that would make us see ourselves any differently than God would see us as the boy wanted to be a slave. He said, I, I just make me like a slave. But but God says that in Galatians 4, and I think it's verses 1 through 7, Paul says that an heir, somebody who's an heir, a child, he says that as long as they're children, when they're a child, they don't differ from a slave. 
They're living in the same house, and the little boy, little child, two little kids living there. One's a slave, one's the heir. But because he's so young, he don't know he's an heir. He's too little to know. So he thinks he's the same as that slave. Because when they say, it's time to come in the house, they both come in the house. Time to sit down and eat, they both sit down and eat. Time to go to bed, they both go to bed. In his mind, he's no different. But then when the full, the Bible says, but when the fullness of time has come, the boy done grown up. Now he's grown up and he's old enough to understand who he is. And now his father tells him, wait a minute, all of this is yours. <laughs> You're not like him. You're the heir. So the only thing that would cause us to not see ourselves the way God would want us to see ourselves is immaturity. So you hear the voice of God and you know that God sees you differently because you've matured enough to know who you are in Christ. Y'all ain't trying to hear me tonight. Jesus said, my sheep hear me and know my voice. My sheep. He didn't say my lambs. Lambs, just babies. The only, the only voice they listen to is adult sheep. They ain't grown up enough to listen to the shepherd. <laughs> oh, y'all got to hear me right. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. So a lamb, that's why he says my sheep hear my voice because they grow up and they mature enough to recognize the voice of God. I hope you can recognize that God's speaking to you tonight. And I hope that you can say, you know, I don't see myself through the father's eyes. Amen. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I went too far. Hallelujah. I'm about two minutes over time, maybe three. <laughs> Trying to be generous with that two minutes. <laughs> Pastor Jerry's probably home looking at his watch. Two, that's three. No. <laughs> but I want to pray. For you, that you wouldn't allow the devil to cause you not to see yourself through the Father's eyes. Amen? Amen. See yourself through the Father's eyes. And don't let the devil tell you anything different. I don't care. I look, we all make mistakes. Every last one of us. There's not a one of us in here who can say, oh, I'm so holy and righteous. We're all, as the Bible says, Short of the mark. We all fall short of God's glory. That's, that's the human condition we live in. But the good news is, the Father's eyes are always seeing us. That's my son. That's my daughter. No matter how bad we mess up, he's never ashamed to call us his children. Just like you are as a parent. Your kid could do all kinds of crazies. You ain't going to be ashamed. That's your son. That's your daughter. They might be crazy and messed up, did all kinds of wild stuff, but they're still your children. And how much more for our heavenly father, how his eyes see, even greater. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a great, great hand of praise. Maybe I could just pray with you. And I, I know we kind of like gone a little bit long. So look, why don't you just do, do, do this for me? Right there where you are. If you want to be included in this prayer, I want you to stretch your hands towards heaven. Come on, stretch your hands towards heaven. We're going to believe God. We want to see ourselves through the Father's eyes. And I want to pray and just believe God. 
that God can touch you right there where you are. I think that his word has already spoken to your hearts that you received something from God tonight. You glad you came to church this evening? See, God wanted some of you to know. He wanted to reinforce it to you. and just He just wanted some of you to know, listen, I love you. You're my daughter. You're my son. I love you. Don't let the devil tell you anything different because the gifts and the calling are irrevocable. He said nothing has changed about the plan that I have for your life. You just have to embrace that idea and move forward because you are an heir. You can't take the position of a slave because you're a child of God. You're an heir and God wants to treat you like his own and love you and bless you and give you everything that he desires to give in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray right now, Lord God, for your children, Lord God, your sons and your daughters that are here tonight, God. Lord, I know sometimes the devil comes in, Lord, and tries to cause us to see ourselves, Lord God, in different ways, Lord, and to, to doubt your love for us, God, and to, Lord, to hinder us in our prayer life, Lord, to cause us to be afraid to approach you, Lord, to be ashamed of ourselves, God. But, Lord, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So I pray, God, that you will show yourself real and mighty in the lives of these, Lord these that belong to you, God. I pray, Lord God, that they would respond, Lord God, to your voice like sheep, God. That, Lord, that they would be blessed in every area of their lives, God. Help them to remember, Lord, that, Lord, you are the one that provides, Lord. You see providently, God. You also see patiently, God. And you also see permanently, Father. And that, Lord, that you will always, Lord, cherish and value us, Lord God, and bless us above everything, God. Devil, you're a liar. You have no right, no authority over the lives of these men and women. And I plead the blood of Jesus over their households, over their families, over their ministries, over their businesses, Lord, over their jobs, Lord, over everything that they do, God, that you would show them your favor, God. Show them, Lord God, your great and your mighty love for their lives, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Father, and we love you so much, God. We're grateful, Lord, for your word and for, Lord, just the privilege to have stood in your presence this evening, Father. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and praise. In the mighty, matchless, and strong name of Jesus, church said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a great praise. Amen and amen. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been so much of a privilege to be here with you. And once again, uh, uh, as I did mention, I do have some products with me. If any of you guys are interested in being able to support us in that way, then you can see me and uh, we'll be happy to... Uh, help you to be able to do that uh take cash also you got a card we also take card too so praise the lord <laughs> hallelujah but uh thank you so much i don't know who i turn it over to now um or that's it that's it and that's all praise the lord god bless you thank you so much uh, uh you guys you know be careful on your way home so blessing you